Trading Nut, episode 254. I genuinely haven't taken a, a full loss in over four months. But in terms of my risk, I don't ever let my losses hit stop loss. So I manage my positions way before that. So like an example is if I was to look back at myself like five years ago, if someone said to me, in order for you to become a good trader, you need to eat right, you need to go to the gym, you need to start meditating. I would say what the hell are you talking about? Things I was using, you know, three years ago aren't even working now. So I used to trade fibs a lot. I used to trade 61.8 Fibonacci. If you do that now, it's almost 90% of the time not going to work. The touches of trend lines used to also be great. Now, probably the worst thing you could do. Biggest ever payout was 10,000. For me, that was like a mind blow moment. I showed my friend and now he trades alongside with me. I mean, how do you sort of manage the multi time frame? one monitor? Do you have a second? I, do you cheat somehow? I actually use one of these. I spent two and a half years thinking I need to know more technicals or I need to know some sort of secret indicator. Whereas the thing that took me from constantly losing to break even to consistent was purely focusing on my psychology. All right, folks, we've got Aaron Lush in the house. Now he's a gold trader who's actually moved from, I suppose, the spot Forex CFDs market to futures. You're going to find out why he made that shift and how he made that shift in the show, along with the little secret trick he's got around avoiding taking that full stop loss. And because because he's a traveling trader, he travels around the world, trades, you're going to find out an amazing hack in the show where he breaks down how you can trade on that multi time frame really easily when you're traveling. All right, that's all coming up in the show, but there's tons of stuff happening here at Trading Nut, so let me break some of that down for you. So first of all, congrats to Gensler. He's been doing the Blue Guardian Challenge for a long time now. He's finally passed phase two. He's fully funded 100k. Well done, Gensler. Congrats on that. Folks, if you do want to see how he did it, it's all tracked over there on the Trading Nut YouTube channel. There's a Blue Guardian uh, weekly recap. Go and check that out. You're going to see how he progressed throughout those weeks. I also want to say a special congrats to my editor, Mark, who's been a trading in the background. I didn't even know he was trading. He's managed to get himself fully funded uh, with 50k on a futures trading prop firm. So well done, Mark. Talking about futures trading prop firms, we've got a new sponsor hitting the channel very soon, and it is a futures trading prop firm. So head down below the video in the podcast description, find out who they are. They're giving a 90% off discount, so go and check that out. Remember, other things going on here at the channel, we've got those trader keys being given away with part of a merch pack. 10 are being given away by the end of this year, so if you do sign up with them, you do get that 100% deposit bonus as well, so go and check that out. Uh, there's links to all the stuff below the video here. Now, Talking about Black Bull, we've got the Black Friday sale on my Robot Builders Club. There's three bonuses. You can get to pick one of them. One of them is actually the ICT Algo, which I recorded a video on, dropped in the channel just last week. So go and check that out if you haven't. I know there was a lot of people jumping on board that, checking it out. So uh, yeah, the Black Friday sale is running this week only, so you've only got probably a couple of days left to grab that. Now, finally, before we dive in, I do want to tell you that the Mystery Trader on the Telegram chat uh, is now doing swing trades, which are a lot easier to catch. So if you do want to grab uh, a bunch of them now, he's looking to do multiple swing trades a day, then go and check it out over there on the Telegram channel. Now, links to all the stuff is below the video here. So folks, go and check it out whilst you're listening to this awesome episode with Aaron. Let's dive in. Our sponsor, Blue Guardian, is the only prop firm that gives their traders a tool to protect them from hitting their max daily loss and over trading. It's super simple to use. Just set the Guardian protector each day from your dashboard. Did you also know that they've just released an unlimited time evaluation with a zero trading days requirement, giving you plenty of time to hit their low 8 and 4% targets, making it super fast to get funded. Plus, it's cheaper than the 40-day time limit evaluation. Check out the link and coupon in the description to get 10% off your next Blue Guardian evaluation. All right, folks, here we are on Trading Out. We've got Aaron Luce in the house. Uh, he's over there in Bali. He's a full-time trader, has been for the last three years. For the last year, he's just been trading futures. So um, obviously moved from Forex to futures, I'm guessing. Aaron, welcome to the show. Uh, how are things with you? Thank you, Cam. Good to be on. Yeah, it's good. It's a beautiful day here in Bali, so can't complain. Awesome. Well, look, um, can't wait to hear your story, how you got there, how you got to become a traveling trader as well. So to start off with, I mean, how did you get into trading? So I started when I was in university. Uh, towards the end of my degree, the realization of having to go back to a normal job kind of daunted on me. Um, and that's when I got into trading. I started probably the worst way possible, uh, where I joined some free groups, well, free groups, people say, deposit money into this broker, follow our signals and you'll get rich. Um, 
So I started with $500 and then followed some signals and surprisingly grew that account quite quick in about maybe a week. I must've tripled it. And then one trade lost the entire thing. Um, so how did, <laughs> how did you do How did you triple it? Was it just, were you risking way too much? Were you? Yeah. Well, I thought, um, you know, you have these experts who they put in the time and they can give you their trades and you can literally log into your phone, copy it and, that's trading. Um, but they don't give you any sort of indication to risk management, lot size you should use. So I was just, at the time, I would have just opened one because I thought, I don't know, you just trade one. So let me just open one. And then it was on a gold trade, actually, which is funny because that's not all I traded. But it was on a gold trade where I took the same contract size and lost the entire thing. Well, well, um, and I'm guessing you weren't using stop losses at, the, at that time either, or, or did they give you that information? Yeah, no, they actually did. Yeah, they gave you stop losses, take profits. Um, but I mean, now I look back, if I was to look at the risk to reward, it would be, it'd be awful. Oh, right. <laughs> and so, okay, so so where did you go from there? Signals to start off with, what was next? Yeah, so signals to start off with. Um, and then I did that for about three to six months. And then I came to my end of my degree and I was like, well, this clearly isn't working. Um, and I had lost a lot of money. And I actually, well, I took out a student loan, which I would say is probably the worst thing that anyone could ever do. Do not take out a loan to trade. But I took out a further student loan of £1,500. Again, made money on that and then lost the entire thing. And at that point, I was like, I'm pretty much done with trading. Like, I'm not going to I'm not gonna touch a chart again. I'm not going to even think about trading. It must be a scam. No one's doing it. Um, <clears throat> and then whilst I was at my job, I kind of, it never really left my mind in the sense that like, you know, although I had flipped my account or grew it quite quick and whether it was luck or not, it never left my mind of, is this actually possible? Like, are people actually doing this consistently? Because I've seen like, you know, you can make money, but it's like, can I do it consistently and make an actual living from it? So as I was working, my life then came back. So I quit trading for about three to four months. Um, and then I just got so consumed with it again. And it literally like, when I'd be walking to work, I'd be listening to a trading podcast. When I'd be at work or on my break, I would take my laptop. I'd go to a coffee shop, open the charts and just just study as much as possible. And kind of, I had to, when you first start trading, you want to trade because, you know, you want to make money. Obviously, that's the reason everyone trades. But when you get trading to a point of you want to trade because you want to learn how the markets move, you want to be able to call direction. Well, the money kind of comes like a, a byproduct. So once I stopped focusing solely on, I want to make money now and focusing on trading because of a passion, then that's when it kind of excelled a lot more. Yeah. Yeah. It is, it is that, um, that switch, which is, I suppose, very prep, you know, it's very noticeable in, in new traders where it's all about the money. And then the guys that have been around for a long time, it's, it's about the process. They're not saying it always works, but I mean, it is about the process now. Um, so, so when, when did that sort of, well, what education did you, did you go or path did you go down to, Give yourself that understanding of the markets that you're after. Um, do you want me to name can I name communities or? Oh, you can you can name yeah def, definitely sure. name communities yeah. Uh, so I first started learning simple price action, um, and I joined a guy called Bernie from now is Innovation Markets, um, and that was probably one of the best places that I went to. So he wasn't someone who was you know flexing. I, I kind of steered away from anyone who was kind of trying to sell a lifestyle. And I wanted to. I wanted to judge a trader based off the trades they were taking as opposed to, you know, the lifestyle they may live in. So mm. I joined that community and then that was purely just focusing on price action. You know, I started off trading uh, MACD, RSI, uh, however many indicators. And when I saw someone was pretty much just trading a naked chart, I was like, yeah, this kind of makes more sense to me. Okay. And so, so were, were you, you know, profitable out of the gate when you started with this guy? No, not at all. No. So I was, um, so I, I stopped trading any real funds when I first started. Prop firms weren't as big as they are now. Um, and I did that for, so I traded, I must have paper traded for about six months. Um, and then again, started trading a small account. And then there's only maybe a year into there. So for the first two years, I didn't make a single penny in trading, not one penny. Um, and then as I started to gain consistency, that's when FTMO kind of came about. So I then was fortunate enough to get, well, I must have failed two or three and then got my first funded account of 50,000 in March, 2020. 
Right. Okay. So you failed two or three to get there. I mean, what can you can you go through the sort of roller coaster ride of like you know I've demoed for six. I'm mm. now going to try and take a prop firm challenge. I'm you know being smart about my you know money management because I'm not putting money with the with the broker that I'm potentially going to lose and stuff from zero again. I mean, how did you how did you sort of manage? Like, let's just be honest. How did you manage to screw up the first three? <laughs> if, oh, if you've done cause... six months of demo and they're all looking good. Yeah, pure purely emotions. Like I think any results you get on demo, you can half expect to get that on a real or funded account. Like if I was making 10% in one month on a demo account, and then I'd be like, okay, cool. Well, if I can now do this on an FTMO, uh, theoretically I should pass. Mm-hmm. However, you don't filter in the crazy amount of emotions that comes with that. So purely it was never a technical thing. And that's kind of my biggest issue. I spent two years or two and a half years thinking I need to know more technicals or I need to know some sort of secret indicator. Whereas the thing that took me from constantly losing to break even to consistent was purely focusing on my psychology. I had I had the plan. I didn't need to know any more technicals. More more technicals meant more problems, but it, it, it's hard when you're starting out to think if someone tells you you need to you know master yourself, master your psychology, I'd be like, no, 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 no. I need a, there, there must be a secret indicator where it's like, that's not the case at all. And, and can you give us like a sort of just a brief overview of what you were doing from a technical point of view so people can put that in, into perspective? Yeah, sure. So I, I purely was trading price action and liquidity grabs. So if I was just like now just trading gold, uh, liquidity grabs, like waiting for gold to come and grab some previous highs or lows and just very simple support and resistance. And and that is it. Like I, I've, it's, it's weird. The more the further I've gone in my journey, the simpler my trading plan has gotten. Um, and things I was using, you know, three years ago aren't even working now. So I used to trade fibs a lot. I used to, you know, trade 61.8 Fibonacci. If you do that now, it's almost 90% of the time not going to work. So things you're doing then and doing now are completely different as well. You know, third touches of trend lines used to also be great. Now, probably the worst thing you could do. This, and it, that is weird. So that's within three years you've noticed that difference oh yeah yeah and, and is that is that through back testing it at the same time as forward testing or trading um not really i don't i personally don't back test much anymore um i used to back test but it's very easy to just press the button and skip through however much price action where it's like it's 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 not real so it's, it's just pretty much yeah just seeing things so like more backstory when i first started i was i was swing trading whereas now i'm scalping the five minute so since COVID times, the markets have changed that much that I've had to pretty much, it must've taken me six months during COVID to be like, this now isn't working to accept that and to try and adapt to it. Like going from swing trading the four hour to now trading the five minute is a whole another journey in itself. Yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll dive into that in a minute. So, um, okay. So you, so you ended up like having these mindset issues that's you know hmm. helped stop you from going through there and passing these challenges i mean what was the can you sort of explain like a few of them or or how you identified them so i guess like when i like was trying to break through in trading i was like i was so consumed by trading into like a, an unhealthy obsession where all i would think about is the charts you know i could sit down and have a meal with my family but i'm not i'm not there all i can think about is my position or what price may be doing. So I guess recognizing that and, you know, like with other, with other businesses and avenues in life, the more you go all in, the better it's going to be. But for trading, you have to have balance because if you spend, you know, 10 plus hours a day on the charts, it's, you you fall into the trap of, you sit there, you take a trade that you know you shouldn't have taken. And then you go into this whole world of beating yourself up mentally Whereas I now limit myself to maybe two to four hours a day on the charts and anything other than that, I have to completely separate myself from whether it's simply just going for a walk in the morning, eating out, um, going to the gym, anything that's going to stimulate me mentally off the charts is, is the best thing to do. Like I thought trading would be the be all and end all and that would make me happy. Whereas when you get to a level of full-time trading, it's not actually that fulfilling. You have to have other things to stimulate you. 
Folks, Black Bull Markets have 10 merch packs to give away to clients who sign up before the end of the year, including one of these trader keys. So to go in the draw, all you need to do is sign up with the link below this video or in the podcast description, and you'll go in the draw to win. It's that simple. And remember, folks, when you sign up to Black Bull Markets through the trading nut link below, you're going to get a 100% deposit bonus up to $1,000 on your first deposit. All you need to do is click the link in the description below the video or the podcast. It's, it's so funny you say that because it is so true, I think. And yeah. people, it, that, it, that is almost the, it's almost the root of the mindset issues to a certain degree, isn't it? Whereby, you know, you think, okay, well, I've, if I'm going to work nine to five and do a nine to five job, I got to go and do my hours. I've got to be productive mm. for eight hours of the day. Whereas here it's like completely the opposite. And is this what you think people may be talking about when they talk about getting your mindset right? Yeah, one hundred. Like, I think if I was to look back at myself like five years ago, if someone said to me, "In order for you to become a good trader, you need to eat right, you need to go to the gym, you need to start meditating," I would say, "What the hell are you talking about?" <laughs> Whereas now it's like, yeah, it's it's so true. More more chart time. Just, I mean, to an extent, like, I mean, chart time in the beginning is amazing, but sitting there watching live price action do nothing is probably one of the worst things you can do. So if you want to, you know, in your early journey spend you know six hours on the charts you know just studying grinding amazing but don't spend them six hours watching price go sideways mm. uh you know back test simulation sessions all that sort of thing but yeah for me now two to four hours anything outside of that i honestly i have to close my laptop and i just travel trade and just live life yeah. and just neglect as much as possible it, it's almost like that uh that kind of I suppose if you are, you know, you still, it's still probably beneficial if you are looking to experiment on, mm -hmm. you know, different kind of strategies or ideas you've had and, and you want to actually go and, and test it, but yeah. don't get drawn into the live market and to, to trading it when you, it's not yeah. within your trading plan, which is, you know, something that a lot of people don't have. And especially at newbies, I mean, what about a trading plan? Did you manage, did you come up with one? Did you mm. have a, is that, was that part of your, your, your uh, success? Yeah, 100%. You you have to have a trading plan. And I think trading plan goes a lot deeper than just having a few rules for you to enter a trade. You need to have a an entry plan, an exit plan, and a take profit plan. So for me, it's just, I couldn't, I thought I needed someone's plan. Whereas like, I kind of had to build my own. And like, you know, although I've done loads of mistakes in the beginning, I had to go through them to kind of find out more importantly, what works for me. It's not, it's not as if, someone's strategy doesn't work. It's just that it it doesn't suit my personality. And it kind of, it's it's going to take anyone like a year to kind of find out, a year, two years to find out what you actually want to do. What do you, do you are you like a, are you a quick thinker? Do you want to be a scalper or do you like to take your time with things? Maybe you want to swing trade a little bit more. So yeah, building a trading plan is is very, very important. And like I say, it's it's more than just, I think that's a big mistake people make as well. It's It's more than just, this is my rules for entry, and that's my plan. It has to go a lot deeper than that. And and I suppose did did you like sort of try different plans out before you found one that that worked for you? Was that part of your process? Yeah, I guess I never really had like someone to follow their trading plan. Like you know, you know, the most basic way to trade is risk management is one percent risk per trade. Whereas that in itself, I think, is a very basic way to trade. Um, you know, I'd follow people's entry rules. But that would kind of be as far as it would ever go. Like I never had someone that be like, point out like, you know, this is your risk management. This is your entry. This is where you exit. It's kind of just so much trial and error. And and I'm, I'm kind of thinking like, I mean, and it's good you said trial and error there. I'm kind of thinking like in terms of, um, you know, if you, if you were going to, you know, you ended up starting off with swing trading, but mm. what, why didn't you start off scalping? And did you try scalping to make a decision that I'm going to go swing trading? And what was the thinking behind behind that? So this is a great point. So when I first, when I was in my job working nine to five whilst trying to learn to trade, I thought the only way that I could become a successful trader was day trading and scalping. I didn't, I didn't know what swing trading was. Whereas in the UK, if you try day trade, but you work on nine to five, it's, it's basically impossible for you to learn to trade. So uh, focusing on swing trading was 100% what allowed me to transition from full-time, part-time to freedom because I wouldn't have to sit there and watch every five, 15-minute candle. You know, if I was watching hourly, four-hourly, well, two four-hour candles, that's my entire work day done. And I'm not going to realistically miss that much in between them. So 
if I was to go back to my younger self, I would say, if you want to go from full-time working to full-time trading, swing trade and then day trade. Don't try and day trade if you have a full-time job. It's 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 impossible. Yeah. Yeah. Especially I suppose especially in the in the UK. I mean, it's not so bad yeah. where I am. Funnily enough, if you're gonna catch London open, it's in the evening after the workday. Yeah, it's perfect. Um, yeah. Okay, so so you went through that, you know, three fails of the demo. I mean, going into the fourth one where you passed, and sorry, mm. demo where I mean challenge. What 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 was different? What did you, what did you change? Ah, oh, just just trading as neutral as possible. I was like, you know, when you get to a point where you've blown accounts, you've lost challenges. You just you you either get to a point where you're like, I'm done, or you just get to a point where it's like, man, if if I pass, I pass. I, there's there's no, like, I was like thinking to myself, every time I would go into a challenge, I would be thinking, and it's the worst way to think, I have to pass this because one, I can't afford to lose the money that costed me to do this challenge. And two, because I just want to become a full-time trader. So once you get to that point of, and I think funding companies are one of the best and worst things that happen to trading. But once you get to a point where you kind of become neutral and numb them and you literally, like, I'm just trading. If I pass, I pass. I don't care. But if I, if I fail, so be it. Mm trading it as neutral as possible and not thinking I have to pass because that's the hardest thing about challenges, the pressure. And that's, that's, that's the only external thing that comes into it. Mm. I think, I think, I think that's kind of what I'm being impacted by uh, with the, uh, cause I'm currently doing the blue guardian challenge for the show. Nice. And I'm like, oh, I've already failed the first one. I, I'm like, I've got to pass yeah. the second one. I have to pass. I have yeah. to pass it. And it's just like I know that it's just screwing me over mentally. But anyway, <laughs> um, okay. So so uh, once you got that funded account, how did that? Um, how did things go from there? I mean, were you like uh, straight away, bang, first withdrawal, fifteen k? Thanks for coming. Uh, what, no, what happened? Yeah, no, very small. So the first account I got was fifty thousand, and I think I made maybe two thousand on that. And then once I got my withdrawal uh, and the refund, then that's when I then started scaling up. So I, I always knew that I wanted to go. As, as much as possible, but I didn't want to go in. So when I first did, I went straight in for the 100K. But when you go from trading a $500 account to trading 100,000, seeing the different figures is, a, again, a whole nother barrier that you have to get through. So traded the 50,000, had a few payouts on that, eventually ended up losing it. Um, but during that period, I was more so building my personal and funded. So anything I was making from uh, funded was going straight into personal and kind of recycling that back into buying more challenges. So traded the 50 for maybe two months, I would say, um, and then went on to 100 and then traded that. And more importantly, at the same time, because when I first did challenges, you couldn't hold over the weekend. So when I was swing trading, I was swing trading on my personal account, much smaller positions. I think on most firms, you can probably hold over the weekend now. Um, but at that time, I was just trying to build my personal as much as possible. Anything I would make from a challenge I wouldn't spend any of that on like, you know, lifestyle things because I know that like at any point this could go. So let me use as much of this as possible, build personal. And if I can get more funding capital, amazing. And, and how were you like building personal? I mean, what was the uh, sort of split that you'd give yourself personal versus challenge, that kind of thing? Well, I was, I guess I was fortunate enough that I lived at home, so I didn't have an extensive amount of bills. So pretty much everything that I would ever make I would just keep in my account. And I was also working part-time at this point as well. So I had something else that, you know, if I blew this challenge, you know, my life isn't going to be over. So having that backup is also great. Um, so everything I funded would go in and then anything from a job, little bit for living, I would live below my means as much as possible and just try and grow as much as possible and trade it consistently. And, and you were trading the personal as well as the funded account at the same time? Yeah, for the whole time. Yeah, I've always... I've probably not what you should do but i've always just gone straight into live accounts through 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 copy trading or through just i'll trade one then another trade and sort of alternating between yeah accounts. i never i never really i would take the same trades but i would never use a trade copy because i was swing trading so it wasn't really okay. i didn't have to like you know execute this and be on my other one instantly but with my personal i was able to hold positions a lot longer so like if i was to swing a move on gold i could trade a pretty small position size if you catch like you know 500 pips a small position that's going to add up and you can actually build personal pretty quick if you can hold on to trades right okay so so uh so whereby you may get a stop out on the funded mm. you 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 weren't getting that same kind of like i've lost the account on the personal because 
because you're able to hold smaller positions across longer periods of time. Is that, have we got it right? Yeah. So, yeah. So like one of the ways that I, I trade is I hedge a lot of my positions. So if I'm in, and because with funded, I have to, would have to close all my positions by Friday. Whereas on my personal, I could swing a small position for a, a pretty decent size. So if I yeah, swing a okay. position on like, say Wednesday and it comes to Friday on my funded accounts, everything has to be flat. Whereas on my personal, I could be holding a decent runner. So coming into next week, and this is the way that I've, I've always traded. If I want to open a new trade and that new trade doesn't work, I will close my small position from last week and that will be that loss covered on my personal. Whereas on my funded, I would be flat. So if I opened a new position and that loss, I would be um, minus. Uh, interesting, so, interesting. Okay, yeah, so, yeah, 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 yeah. That's 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 a nice, nice sort of add in there mm. for for anyone thinking about doing that. Um, mm. Albeit, probably not so relevant these days with the the weekend holds being a thing of the past. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, on that, I mean, what kind of risk to reward were you are you getting on your trades? Uh, so it's different. So now I'm maybe going for scalping like one to twos, one to threes max, and then holding runners. I don't, I don't. I don't really go much more than that. You know, when I when I was swing trading, I would try go for like one to fives to one to tens. And although, you know, you may hit that one in 10 times mentally for me, stacking up small wins is just much more profitable, but more so mentally. Mm. And, and so what look like from a payout point of view, what was, do you have a biggest payout sort of record that you've managed to get today? Yeah. Biggest, biggest ever payout was 10,000. That was like, for me, that was like a mind blow moment. I, Showed my friend, and now he trades alongside with me. So right, okay. <laughs> uh, and and that first payout, I mean, how did that feel? Like when you finally got there after all this oh, time. Yeah. But the first payout is probably one of the most surreal feelings in the world. Even if it's just a, even if it's just a small amount, and just 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 taking it out, and you know, just actually seeing it because like trading becomes a game, just numbers on the screen. But when you actually have it hit your bank or or wherever, and you actually see it's yours, it's like oh man, it's a it's a whole another experience like personal you don't really withdraw that much in the beginning so it, like i say it feels like a game but with funded when you get them withdrawals you're like this is amazing i've, I've made it i guess <laughs> <laughs> and, and in terms of like your risk management on the funded uh, challenges mm. when they were time bound and then on the on the um actual funded accounts what what, what were they what were you doing as in what was i risking per, oh, risking per trade so then I was risking 1% risk per trade. That was ever it. I don't, I personally dive into risk management a lot deeper than that now, but at that time, 1% risk per trade. On both the, when you were funded and the uh, challenge, obviously. Yes. Yeah. Both yeah. times. Okay. Yeah, same. okay. So you didn't drop it at all. Okay. That's, that's cool. And so what do you do now? Is, is it different? Uh, yeah. Very different. Very different. I think, like I said, I think risk management goes a lot deeper than I'm going to risk 1% per trade. Like I don't think every single trade requires the same risk management. I think that's where kind of a lot of people mess up, myself included. Um, so now I'm pretty much trading, I trade futures now. So I'm pretty much trading fixed fixed contracts. So I trade five to 10 contracts um, and I scalp 15, 20, 30 ticks on gold. And that's pretty much it. But in terms of my risk, I don't ever let my losses hit stop loss. So I manage my positions way before that. So like an example is, if I, in the most basic way, if I buy off a level of support, old me would hold that trade until it hits stop loss. But me now, the second that price closes below that support, I'm out. I don't, no emotions, no ego, like no predicting second, five minute or whatever it is closes below level support. That's my confirmation. I'm out straight away. But you would, you would let it go below support. It's only if it closes. Yeah. So it could wick below, come back oh, yeah, up, yeah. close within. You're like, mm, I can live with that. Would you move your yeah. stop to the wick low at that point? Or you still just wait and... No, I still, I just, I just hold and wait. I execute off the level till it breaks because what I would find myself doing when I got into scalping is, you know, if it, if it wicked the support and then I go to break even me by me going to break even, that's me saying to the markets, if you come back down to this level, I don't want to be in the trade. Whereas if it comes back to the level, that's more a reason to still be in the trade. So hold it until it breaks. I have a hard stops in much lower, but the second that it breaks support or resistance, whatever it may be, I'm out straight away. Mm. And so that you're, you're very, it's very, uh, I suppose, intriguing for me anyway that you've moved from uh i'm guessing it was spot spot mm. let's see it was cfds yep. trading gold to futures what was the decision making around that and how did you manage how did you do it so it was a uh, so i was dabbling in futures for like six months before i made the full-time transition but since going to scalping 
I only now trade gold. I don't trade. I used to trade, you know, five different FX pairs. Now I literally only trade gold. So if I'm only going to trade gold, it makes no sense for me to not trade that on a futures exchange because I have to worry about spreads. Yep. There's there's better funding opportunities in my opinion. Um, but more importantly, just the execution on futures, I think is just amazing. I don't, I don't, I don't. If I'm not going to trade, you know, like pound yen or any FX pairs, for me, it makes no sense to not trade it on a on a futures exchange. And what uh, I suppose, what broker and um, trading platform do you use on futures? So I use now NinjaTrader for personal, and then Top Step for funding. Uh, okay, right. Okay, so you really just made the complete shift away. So, um, yeah. with with you being a traveling trader, I mean, do you have a sort of like uh, registered residential address that allows you to open up these accounts and stuff, or have mm-hmm. you been able to get access to different accounts because you're traveling in to, in different parts of the world? or different addresses. I mean, how does that all sort of work? Just so for anyone looking to get to the point where they travel and trade and how long do you spend in places and how yeah. long and what kind of visas do you need? What how does all that look? It's so you you need a you need a home base for tax reasons. You need a home address. So now my home base is Australia. But prior to that it was back in the UK. So anywhere you would go, you always have to have that home address, home base, um, and have some sort of you know bank account transactions coming through that address. Um, but like in terms of where I would stay and where I would go, like I've stayed at some very nice places. I've stayed at some absolutely horrible places and it would, it would always depend on my trading performance. So if I had a, if I had a great month, I would budget say a thousand dollars and this is going to be my expenses to fly to a new place or stay at this nice place. If I had a, a quiet a month, I would have to budget back a little bit. Um, but I never really, I, I, I like being spontaneous. I don't have a plan of it's different now. I have a home base, but back then, when I was full time traveling and trading, I there was no plan really. I would go on Google. I would just type in my destination and go on explore and just type in worldwide, see where I would come up with cheap flights. I'm like, yeah, that looks cool. Let's let's go there for a week. No 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 expectations, no idea right. what's there. Just and just go with it. Yeah. <laughs> and what about like issues around Wi-Fi connections or internet connections and trays being open and mobile phone coverage? Yeah. So I, networks, so, etc. Any, so I would always stay at like Airbnbs. I just find Airbnbs have better Wi-Fi than hotels. Um, and I would kind of always ask them to do a speed test before and send it to me. And most are like always happy to do that. Um, That's quite cool. But I would never, I will never take a trade if I'm traveling on that day or if I'm jet lagged. If I, if I recognize that I'm not going to be able to be in the zone on that day, I just won't trade. I don't care. The markets aren't going anywhere. I won't trade. And so making that transition from higher time frame to lower time frame, I mean, how did that occur? What was your thinking around it? Because it is quite a drastic mm-hmm. transition for somebody who was like used to holding across weekends and swinging for a few days to to yeah. deciding, you know what, I actually want to just sit down and do it for two hours and, and be done. What does yeah. that look like? So I guess when you go from four hour to hourly trading and then down to the five minute all of a sudden the five minute looks incredibly fast. Now I trade the five minutes just like slow and normal. But when you first do it, like technical wise, the same analysis that I would use on the higher time frame, I use the exact same things in the five minute. It's just much quicker execution. And I've kind of found that when I was swing trading, I would kind of spend a little bit more time on the charts. I would have to be, you know, active at kind of random times in the evening if alert would go off, et cetera. But now that I'm trading so I execute off the five, but my analysis is done off the 30 and 15. Um, and I'm only really trading that for two to three hours in the London session. But the biggest thing to get used to, I guess, was if you trade an hourly, you have a lot of time to make a decision. Whereas now my execution has had to be more important than ever. Like I can't, I can't hesitate. If I hesitate, I'm going to miss a move. So focusing on more and just, like I say, executing a level, seeing how it reacts has probably been the biggest transition and thinking it's very fast paced at the time mm. whereas like the five minutes good for me i don't i don't go any lower than that like if i was to go to the one minute that would feel a bit too fast for me i'm comfortable in the five and that's what i stick to and so like for, for example like uh i'm just thinking about the execution speed mm. of i mean are you limiting orders or uh, are you entering a market and are you waiting for the candle to close to enter straight away after or how does that work so I, I don't use limit orders. I used to use limit orders for swing trading a little bit more because I, I you know my stop loss would be able to breathe. I don't have to worry about it. But now 
Yeah, now it's just market execution and buy and sell stops on like the breaks of highs and lows. I don't sell stops and buy stops have probably been like a, a great transition for me as well. Okay. And so and what about like I suppose you don't get as many slips on on the futures market with the the buy and sell stops, they just get triggered and you're in. There's no Yeah, well that that's that's one of the best things since moving to futures is like the execution is just so on point. Like and I have to worry about, you know, if I put in a if I put in a buy or sell stop, I don't have to worry about spreads tagging me. And it's like if it as long as there's liquidity in the markets, if it comes down, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get a great entry. And that's that's probably one of the main reasons why I switched to futures. Yeah, that's that, that's one of the most annoying things I find with <laughs> um, CFDs and stop mm-hmm. orders in particular is that you nine times out of ten, well maybe not nine, maybe five out of ten, you'll get pushed in the direction of where your trade's supposed to go, and price will just revert back, and mm-hmm. your stops and are still in the same spot, so you're inadvertently now risking more, and yeah. you've got a worse price. It's just the so like so many little annoyances you're better off entering at market but then yeah, yeah. even then you might miss it and get in late or there's yeah there's so many things oh yeah that, that is interesting for anyone like thinking yeah. about that stuff um now in that two three hour session how many trades would you typically take uh completely vary sometimes i could sit there for two three hours and take absolutely nothing sometimes i could sit there and take three trades on average i would say one to two trades a day max that's it i don't i never take more than three um sometimes three is like pushing it for me if i take more than mm. three that's i can't take any more emotional decisions than that like that's a mentally for me that's like like i'm, I'm pretty much done but yeah some, sometimes like i said i could i could sit there for two hours and people could watch me and be like you know why is he not doing anything but if, if i don't if i don't see anything i'm not going to take a trade for the sake of it and that's mm. one of the things when i came into day trading is opposed to swing trading is I, I would think that the markets would be moving much quicker and I would have to jump in. But when you take a step back, it's like, yeah, one, one to two max three trades a day. And and that's good for me. Mm. And so, so in terms of like managing the trade, once it's in profit and um, you know, you talked about, you know, one to twos, one to threes. I mean, what, mm. what's, how often would you take a break even or a one to one or something less than a one to two? Is that uh, something that would happen and how, why would that happen? Yeah, pretty often I, I can take a, a break even or, or, or a one-to-one. Like I, I, that's the thing, like my risk to reward is never fixed. I think a lot of people say, you know, I'm going to go for a one-to-three risk to reward. I'm going to enter the trade and I'm just going to let the markets tell me when to get in and out. Whereas I personally think that's the wrong way to trade. Like risk to rewards never fixed. Like if I, if I get a buy on gold and then I see gold coming into a key level of resistance and I don't react to that and I just let it come back down and hit my stop loss, that's poor trading. Whereas if it comes into a level of resistance, regardless of if it's going to break or not, if I think it could come back down to my entry, I have to manage my trade. And if it comes back down and stops me at break even, I get confirmation to go again. Amazing. Or if I just want to close, you know, maybe 50% once it hits a key level of where it could go against me, I'll do that 50% at break even and just see how it goes. So it's, yeah, it's never, it's never fixed. I don't have a, a fixed risk reward. Sometimes you get a one to three, sometimes one to one or less, sometimes more. Mm. And so, so what about like, I mean, you're talking about these key levels, are they high time frame levels that, so you are doing multi time frame analysis to get your five minute entries? Yeah. Yeah. So I still, I still do my top down. Like I still go, I don't put as much emphasis now on the daily and four hourly, but I still have to look at that to see key levels. Um, and then execution is from the five, but intraday analysis, 30 and 15, that's it. Five, five can be a horrible time frame to trade. So I don't use it for analysis. It's purely execution of what's going on on the 13, 15. Right. And what about like a, if you looked at a course of a week, you're taking one to three trades a day, sometimes none. What's your average win rate, would you say? Uh, this month, since I've been putting my uh, data on Tradezilla, has been like 75%. I would say mm-hmm. on average between 60 to 70 is pretty comfortable. Six, okay. And so so we're 25 days into the month, folks, for, for people just – uh, wanting to know and what how many of those would you take a full loss on uh i i genuinely haven't taken a, a full loss in uh, like over four months i haven't i haven't let i and i and that's because i don't i don't enter a trade you know if i'm scalping like 15 20 ticks my average loss is maybe five i don't my hard right. stop maybe 10 to 15 but i'm managing it before it comes anywhere near that given that i can unless something crazy happens and gold just drops I have to hit full stop loss, but that hasn't happened in a very long time. Yeah, that's that is that is quite incredible because it does. 
give you a massive advantage in terms mm. of like your your losses are always going to be smaller than yeah. your than your than your wins in that in that instance. It's um and there must be a psychological aspect to it as well where it's like once you get over that hurdle because I mean I've I've tried this before uh, I'll be honest and I, I sometimes even try it I've tried it recently I think even like two weeks ago and this there's a psychological barrier that you need to overcome to go I know that the trade is basically failing yeah I've got to get out yeah. um what helped you get over that hurdle there so I would I would look uh, I I would look back at all my losses. And I would see like maybe eight times out of 10, the amount of times the markets would close against me, come back to my entry and keep going against me would be crazy. So now at any, at any point, if I'm, if I'm in a trade and it closes, let's say if I'm in longs on gold and you know, offer, offer support or whatever, and it, and it breaks below that support and it comes back up to my entry, once it's coming back to my entry, most people would think to themselves, oh, well, it's just going to, it's just going to keep going up. You know, I can, I don't, I'm not going to close it break even. It'll just keep going up. And then before you know it, it retests and keeps dropping lower. Whereas I previously would just let that happen. Whereas now I'll react to it. If, if, if I get long of support, it breaks support, comes back up and retests around my entry. I'm out straight away. If it then closes back above and you know, it's a fake out, that's fine. I'll react to the fake out, but I'm not going to predict that it's going to be a fake out when it happens. I'll react to it. Um, and if, Say if the say if the five, for example, closes below a level of support, comes back up for the retest, I'll bring in my stop below that low because I pretty much saying to myself, if it comes down to create a new low, I don't want to be in the trade. If it breaks back above, then amazing, maybe I can go break even or I'll cut it and re-enter. So it's psychologically, it's very difficult because there's been so many times where it has broken below a level, it comes back up, and I'm hovering around break even and something in my brain says to myself, hold it, it's going to keep pushing up. And the amount of times that it would just hit my stop loss and I'd be like, the markets literally gave me an opportunity to mm. accept that I was wrong, get out, and I didn't recognize it. And I yeah. would take many of losses. Whereas now it's like, all you can do in this game is just react. If I if I react to price respecting a level and it breaks, then I'll react to it breaking. If it, if it breaks back above and it's a fake out, I'll react to the fake out. Yeah, it's, that is, it's so, uh, it is such a, I suppose, a mindset issue and something to overcome. Like, because I mean, because the, the issue I've had is like, and it happens all the time, you know, price, I sort of know that, okay, chance of it now hitting the stop loss is kind of high. It's quite high. Mm. Let's say quite yeah. high. And I've got a chance getting out for half of what I risked. Mm. But because, it's half of what I risked versus even 0.25 yeah. or even if it was 75 at 75, I'm like going, well, it's only another 25 and I'm, and I'm done. Yeah. Whereas it doesn't, it, it, there's so many, there's so many reasons in there that will stop me from just going, I'm at, down half, just cut it. Just cut yeah, it. Yeah. Don't 100%. even think about it. Just cut it. it but, or the other one is to your point there where you said like it, it comes back up and gives you an out at kind of break mm. even. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm guessing you've got no issues now with the break even being tr a true break even with no commissions and and spread yeah. and stuff. Um, what about like when you were trading uh, CFDs and it was, you know, you had that you get to break even and it's like I'm oh, now on break even. Now I need to get like one pip or whatever <laughs> in front yeah. of break even to yeah. then get out of the trade and it never gets there. But it got back to break even. I could have got out mm. with this with the loss of the costs, but not the loss of the trade. And you hold it to hit stop loss, and you you're basically yeah. down full one plus the commission, which you would have, which you were worried about in the first place. I mean, have you ever been through that yeah. scenario? And I say it like I've just had it like a couple of days ago, which I have, so I know it. One hundred, like that's the thing. Like in trading, like you know, the old school saying of keep your losses small. You can't if your losses are always one percent. Your losses are always the same. That's not keeping your losses small. That's your your losses are always the same. So. If there's an example, you know, when I was trading CFDs, like filter filtering in one to two pips to some people may not seem a lot, but when you're scalping, they they do add up. So if I was, you know, I, I don't really look at my trade based off like the platform that I'm trading. If I if I draw my risk to reward tool on trading view and it comes back up to where my entry is drawn of where I pretty much executed it, I don't really think I need to let it pull up a little bit more because spreads like you know I'll, I'll eat the one to two, two pip loss whatever it may be i don't i don't really care or there'll be times where 
if price closes bearish at a level of support and then all of a sudden starts closing bullish. And I think this could be a fake out. And I, I want to accept that risk. I'll bring in my stop loss below the previous five low. And I'll be saying to myself, if it comes back down and creates a new low, well, then I'll I'll take that loss. And that's the risk that I want to take. But I'm not going to let it go any loss, any lower than than that and hit full stop loss. So it's 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 hard to say because like, like I say, there's never like each trade requires its own set of rules. It's all about reacting to what price is doing. But if it if I it closes below, it does come back up to my entry. Maybe I've had a good week. I want to accept the risk and just bring it in below the previous low. And if it if it fakes out and keeps pushing higher, amazing. But if it comes down to hit that loss, I'll take that loss, which is probably like three, like 0.3% of what my full stop loss would be. Um, well, you just give me an idea there because I wonder if and so maybe other listeners will get this have this same sort of epiphany or at least get something from it but I wonder if like if you have a wider stop loss and then get used to taking those uh, or manually exiting at a hmm. at less than your stop loss so you have a wider yeah. stop loss so you're exiting say whatever point that you would normally have your stop loss at yeah. is going to help you get out of the trades earlier because you're just building that habit i don't know so yeah it's it's the like the only hard thing about like on paper that sounds like a really simple way to trade the only hard thing about trading like this is just trading with no ego and no bias you know Mm. like i say when it comes back to break even most people think it's going to keep pushing up but no no you have to react to the until it closes back above react to the fact that it's closed below cut the trade and just wait it's it's people try and myself included would try and predict so much everyone wants to predict where the markets are going to go but you just have to react if it breaks below the level react to that if it breaks back above react to that and and until you get the closures just trade what you see in the beginning what do you think made you different from your average mum or dad trader out there did you have any special traits or anything that you think Um, made you different honestly like no like i i don't think i'm like some sort of trading genius or anything like that i was just very 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 persistent um and well, I was about to say I didn't doubt myself, but that's true because I did quit trading for a little bit. But once I started to find consistency, I didn't, I didn't, it's very easy. I think these days, like when I started social media trading wasn't as big as it is now. So it's very easy these days to see so many people trading and just jump from strategy to strategy to strategy and just go round and round in circles where I was like, I've got something that I like, I know that works. And I'm just gonna stick with that. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna steer to anything else. Um, but like, I'm not like no nothing, technical wise or educational level wise separates me from everyone else. I'm just a normal person. I didn't do incredibly well in school. I was just very hardworking, persistent, and didn't doubt myself. Once. I mean, uh, talking about social media. I mean, what do you think is the biggest issue with with social media at the moment and trading and and traders and people learning to trade? It's, uh, I think, I think it's probably the lifestyle marketing is probably the worst. Like I don't really show any lifestyle. I'll, I'll, I'll let my trades do the talk and that's why I trade live. Um, but yeah, people just like, say, for example, if I take a, if I take, if I lose $500 on the day and I go see some other guru who's just made 5,000 on the day, it's very easy for me in the beginning to think he must know something that I don't. And I need to know that thing. Whereas as long as what you've got, you know, works over time forget about what everyone else is doing. It doesn't matter. You're on your own journey. You're on your own trading path, finding your own plan and just stick with that. Don't worry about what other people are doing. It's not every single day in the markets when someone's losing, someone's winning. And that's, that's just part of the game. You have to accept that. So mm. what, what, so as a, tra- as a tra- traveling trader, what, mm. how does that impact your trading day and how do you adjust to different locations and, I mean, in some cases, I suppose different sessions that you have to trade. What do you, what do you do there? I think moving to Australia was probably one of the biggest ones because that, like, when I trade in Australia now, I'm trading from like four until six p.m. Whereas for the most part in my tra- like for instance, Bali right now, it's nine a.m. London starts at two p.m. for me. So anywhere I go, I'm always making sure that I'm able to hit the London session. Um, and although I'm 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 a traveling trader, I'm I would say I'm a tourist on the weekends. You know, I'm not I'm not going out to beach clubs every day and like lying by the beach and trading on my phone. That's not that that doesn't happen. I I, I trade very strict during the week. On the evenings, you know, I'll unwind. I'll, I'll I'll go out. I'll explore Bali. On the weekends, I'll go enjoy life. But during the week, my regime is still like 
the exact same. I'm, I'm very, very strict on, you know, it's very easy to meet like other travelers and they're like, you know what, come out tonight and let's go to this party. Whereas I'm, I'm, I have fallen into that trap, but for me, I'm like, no, no, I'm during the week. I'm the exact same as if I was at home on the weekends. Amazing. I'll enjoy life, travel more. Um, you have to be very, very disciplined. And is there an element of this where you're sort of like, if you're set up and you're based in Australia mm. or when you're in the UK, that you had multiple monitors to help you with trading? Because I mean, you know, you see the big pictures around, everyone's got like 15 monitors and stuff. I mean, I'm guessing you've only got one, but I mean, how do you sort of manage the multi time frame? one monitor? Do you have a second? I, do you cheat somehow? I actually use one of these. So this is a... This is a portable monitor. This thing's like this is like literally weighs nothing. The the case is a stand, and this is literally USB C. So this powers off my laptop, and this is just gives me just two monitors. And oh. when you put this thing in your bag, honestly, you wouldn't even know it was in there. It's so thin, and just having that separate, whether it's having Discord news or a separate high time frame chart, and just having this one, like you know, I have Ninja Trader there, Trading View here, and mm. that's a lifesaver. I don't. You don't, I mean, you could do it just off your laptop, but having this, which costs like maybe $300 is, is a lifesaver. That's, that's a great hack. And what was it called? A USB-C connected monitor? Yeah. So it's just a USB-C portable monitor. Like I say, you don't have to plug oh it into the wall or anything like that. It powers off your laptop and wow. you can just plug and play. And it's, it's, it's really good. It's that, really that is fantastic for 300 bucks. That's, that's crazy. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. Now, uh, what about like uh, a price chart? Three things you would recommend somebody go away and start educating themselves on when reading a chart. Yeah, keep it keep it super simple. There's a lot of analysis paralysis out there these days. Trade, focus on, so all I do, I trade liquidity levels on gold, support and resistance and breakouts of that. And that is it. I don't, I used to use fibs, everything else. That is literally all I use now. You could, I know people who trade very successfully just trading support and resistance. So if you can trade successfully just trading support and resistance, that tells you that the issue with most traders isn't their technicals. Right, right. That's very, very interesting. Um, and look, yeah. it's, it's, if you, you can see a lot of commonalities with other guests in, in terms of that as well. Now, mm -hmm. um, what about from a mindset point of view? I mean, we've spoken about that quite a bit, but are there any other things that you do or hacks that you know of uh, that you can share with the listeners around trading, trading mindset? Yeah, I think like... I think the hardest part in trading is managing your emotions. And I think everyone has this misconception that you need to become some sort of robot, which is not true. You'll, you'll, you'll never get to a point where you trade completely numb. And that's, that's not the goal. The trade, the, the goal is to recognize what emotions are coming up and how you react to them. So I, I would think that I would have to just trade literally like the most non-emotional way possible, which is, almost impossible. Whereas now it's like, I still have the same emotions that I had when I first started trading. I just now know how to react to them and recognize them. So if I ever, if I, if I get into a trade and I scale into it and I, and I, and I recognize what I'm doing, uh, that that's me out for the day. If I, if I break my rules like that from an emotional perspective, I don't deserve to trade for that day. So I have to take the day off. Um, oh, and like, you know, other things like, for instance, for me, when I was back in the UK, I would, I would, wake up from bed and go straight on the charts. I also think that's a terrible idea. I think you should, in the like simplest, if I jump on the charts in the morning now, I won't jump on the charts before I either go jump in that pool that's freezing cold or I go for a walk around the block. Something as simple as going for a 10, 15 minute walk before you jump on the charts. Mentally, you're going to be so much more active and stimulated. Whereas if, if, I, if I roll out of bed, I'm lazing, I'm lazy, I haven't, I haven't slept right and I expect that my performance is going to be good on the charts, it's not going to happen. So meditating, exercise, and just just moving, just being active. And, and, and just now that you're in Australia, I'm quite interested mm. to find out because I'm in New Zealand where like London's not opening until 7, 8 o'clock at night. Yeah. Uh, Australia will be kind of at the same time. I mean, how do you manage the the fact that you've now got the opposite problem where you've had a whole day, mm. your brain's being inactive, you've got to sort of try and reset for a trading session and actually work yeah. quite late in the day. Mm -hmm. What do you do there? That is, I think that's probably been one of the hardest transitions, although I'm still only trading for two hours. Mentally, I'm going to be much more in the zone at 9am than like 4pm when I jump on. Mm. So during the day, I'll just try and, I'll just try and do as, as, as little as possible in the sense of like, 
any kind of mental activities. Like if I have any, like my routine when I'm in Australia, I wake up in the morning, you know, I go walk my dog, I go to the beach, I'll go to the gym, I'll check up with the community, but I won't look at any charts. It's very easy when you get on a different time zone. For instance, now in Bali, it's 9 a.m. London's not even started. It would be very easy for me to now open the charts and be like, oh, well, maybe I could catch a different move before my time zone because now I'm on a different uh, a different area. But it's like, no, I still stick to the same. It's it's, And, you know, I'll just like back home when I'm training in the UK, I'll wake up at like 6, 7 a.m. Well, now I'll kind of maybe wake up at like 9 a.m., for example. So everything I would do is just a little bit later. Um, but yeah, okay. doing before I jump on the charts, gym, walk, beach, anything that has nothing to do with trading. Yeah. Yeah. And also, I like that whole sort of keep your brain uh, settled and mm -hmm. uh, it doesn't help if you're like running a podcast and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and doing people during the day, I tell you, it does not help. I, yeah. I, I sometimes find that having a sleep in the afternoon is actually quite mm. good to reset as well. Yeah, I haven't all the time. <laughs> um, now, if there was one thing you recommend somebody go away and master for a month, mm. what would it be? Uh, yourself. And that's going to sound quite strange, but I think a lot, of, like I see a lot of people who've been trading for like two, three years and they're still not consistent. And they're like, you know, what's, what, what's, what's wrong with me? What, what do I not know? Whereas like how many people in their first, like zero to two years spend time working on the mental aspect of trading, like mental, you got, you got, you got personal capital and you got mental capital. Mental capital is probably one of the biggest aspects that people neglect. And it's probably one of the hardest to master. And for me, it's one of the most interesting parts. So spend a month just really understanding psychology, trading psychology, yourself becoming a better person. Um, and I can almost guarantee that most people already have the technicals down. It's that they just, they just, they just don't know how to react mm. to their emotions and understand them. Mm. And also like in the moment as well, like be able to, especially on a low time frame, like five minutes, be able to mm to control the emotion so that it doesn't it will not control it, but just so so that they're aware of it and yeah it doesn't impact the thinking and what they should be doing at, at that time mm -hmm. um okay brilliant look we're gonna wrap up with some quick fire questions here so start off with how long did it take you to go from newbie to consistently profitable uh two years uh what's your favorite entry setup uh liquidity grabs and a breakout support and resistance uh, do you have a recommended trading book or resource? Yes, trading in the zone for psychology. Uh, what's your preferred broker and trading platform? Uh, Ninja Trader. Uh, do you want to walk us through your worst ever trade? <laughs> yes. Um, that gold one that made me quit trading for three months when I thought trading was an absolute scam. Right. Okay, <laughs> brilliant. Look, um, before we wrap up, what's the best way for traders to get hold of you? Uh, YouTube. I live stream every day in the London session, just Aaron.trades. Brilliant. Well, look, a big thank you to Aaron for sharing with us today. Everything we've discussed here, along with all those links, are going to be in the show notes to find them. Simply search for Aaron in the search box on tradingnut.com or just jump into the description below. Until next time, I wish all my listeners trading happiness and success. Tired of missing trades or spending hours at the charts? Introducing my Robot Builders Club. With our platform, you can build bots in minutes, not weeks, without any coding required. Get lifetime access to my video course, VIP community, and over 40 ready-made robots. Works with MT4 or MT5, and as a bonus, you'll get three months access to my Robot Lab, where we build and test bots on live calls every week. Join the hundreds of traders who are trading smarter, not harder. Click the link in the description to learn more, get the free training, and download a free robot. All right, folks, there we go. Interview done and dusted with Aaron. Now, remember, we shot a video actually after this where he breaks down his entire strategy, trading gold. You're going to find out how it works. It's very quick and simple to easy to learn and understand. I picked it up within like three minutes, and you guys can pick it up pretty quickly as well. I even had a go over on the video myself, so go and check that out. There's It's over there on the YouTube channel, dropping very soon. The other things going on here, we've got those Blue Guardian challenges. You need to go and check those out. We've got that new sponsor joining very soon so they're a futures prop firm i'm going to tell you who they are because you listen to all the way to the end it is apex trader funding so these guys are based over there in the us and have been backing traders in the futures market 
for many a years. So go and check them out. There's that 90% discount below this uh, uh, video or in the podcast description. Now, other things going on here, we've got that uh, Black Friday sale where you can pick up the ICT bot that I gave away in the last video on the channel here. And also you've got those Trader Keys merch pack and that $1,000 um, 100% deposit bonus that you can get on your Black Bull account as well. So folks, it's all under there in the description. And last but not least, remember the Mystery Trader is back and better than ever. We've got them doing swing trades, multi-swing trades a day that are going to be way easier to catch uh, for you guys following those on the Telegram channel. All right, folks, enough from me. Have a great trading week, and we'll see you in the next episode.